I believe that divorce can be the most empowering experience that we go through to find our true identity and voice, to design the life that we choose and to live a life of freedom and love uh, instead of feeling stuck with the life that we were left with. And, you know, seven, almost seven years ago to the day, I was driving home late at night with my now ex-husband from a couple's night out when his phone rang not once but five times from a much younger female colleague. And it was that night that I felt the largest gut punch I think I have ever felt in my entire life. And it was one of those gut punches where the universe was saying, wake up. Welcome to Soul Sisters Get Real, the show that goes deep in who we really are and why we are really here. We're your hosts, Karen from the States and Eleni from Australia. We've had heartfelt conversations as soul sisters for years, and we're ready to share our truths, stories, and life lessons with you. And to inspire you to connect to your truest essence, which resides deep within your soul. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter, and there'll be no holding back. So sit back, relax, and let's get real about the things that truly matter. Hello, and welcome to this episode where we are going to talk about Divorce Sucks, Now What? with Wendy Sterling. I'm going to introduce Wendy and then I will have her take over. We have, all three of us on this podcast today, have experienced divorce and how much it sucks. And Wendy is a divorce coach, an international best-selling author, a divorce recovery expert, and founder of Divorce Rehab, which helps women who are having trouble moving forward and are tired of feeling stuck. Wendy believes that forgiveness is the path to wealth, love, and freedom. She's the host of her own podcast, The Divorce Woman's Guide, and has been featured in the media on NBC, Good Day LA, The List, and The Daily Blast Live. Wendy is a very dear friend of mine, and I feel so honored to have you on here. Thank you for joining us, Wendy. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, guys. I'm honored to have been invited, and I'm really looking forward to sharing my wisdom and story with your audience today. So thank you guys for inviting me. Yay. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. So can we go back in time, Wendy, to, I'm guessing, because your expertise is divorce. Well, I'm not guessing. Karen actually said you've had actual experience yourself. So can we go back in time as to how this became your expertise? What actually happened with you? What was your story? My story is an interesting one. I mean, I definitely was not expecting to sit here seven years later and say to you that I believe that divorce can be the most empowering experience that we go through to find our true identity and voice, to design the life that we choose and to live a life of freedom and love uh, instead of feeling stuck with the life that we were left with. And, you know, seven, almost seven years ago to the day, I was driving home late at night with my now ex-husband from a couple's night out when his phone rang not once but five times from a much younger female colleague. And it was that night that I felt the largest gut punch I think I have ever felt in my entire life. And it was one of those gut punches where the universe was saying, wake up. And immediately I started questioning uh, why she was calling, et cetera. And lo and behold, come to realize that my worst fear came true and came to realize that my ex-husband was having an affair um, and had been doing so for quite some time. And while, you know, we had this Facebook facade life, my boys at the time were seven and 10. I thought that, you know, I knew we were having trouble. We were in therapy, but I didn't realize how bad things had really gotten. And rather than spend a lot of time um, being in denial, I chose to see the universe handing me a message that it was time for me to start living my life for myself instead of for my family and for him. Um, You see, I was raised in a home where I'm the granddaughter on two sides of Holocaust survivors. And so I was very much raised to fit in, you know, coming to America, first generation born here was all about not standing out. And 
if you knew me as a little girl, um, you know, way back when I very much stood out. I had opinions. I was the tomboy between my sister and I. I was into everything. And it just got to the point where my family started letting me know that that wasn't acceptable. And so I started to become a version of me that uh, I wanted approval of that I wanted my family to accept. And so I had duplicated that in my marriage. And so the first year that he and I were separated, I really took that as an opportunity to find myself again. And I not only was in therapy, I was reading self-help books and podcasts. And then one day on my Facebook feed, all of a sudden I saw a post from a friend who became a life coach. And I thought, what is this? I've never heard of this. Um, and what it spoke to, the reason that the post spoke to me was because it talked a lot about where it is that you wanted to go. And all I had been doing in therapy was looking at my past and what, you know, all the things that, you know, were imprinted on me when I was a young girl. And nobody was helping me figure out, like, what do I want? What do I, what do I want my life to look like? And so it was in that moment that I not only hired a coach, but I also enrolled in learning how to become one because I thought it would be great for my career. I'd been working in corporate America, um, you know, worked in management, made six figures, you know, very much a career woman. And I thought it would do nothing but help me. But really, it was for my separation and for me trying to find myself. And in the course of a two-day weekend of learning how to be a coach, I had moved through more emotions around my separation than I had the entire year prior in therapy. And so I knew that there was something here. And so I really documented my my um, my process as I was navigating, you know, the stages of grief that, you know, I was mourning and trying to figure out if I wanted to stay married. And ultimately what my coach and this particular program led me to do was to ask for a divorce. And it was one of those moments where I said it out loud and then went, wait a second, what did I just say? What did I just do? And, um, but I knew that it was the right decision and it was the best gift that I ever gave to myself because ultimately what asking for a divorce meant was choosing me. And I am not pro-divorce. I, you know, I am very much happy, peace, joy, love, whatever that means. So what I say I do is I help my clients to learn how to choose themselves and figure out what that life looks like for themselves. And for me, it was divorce. And so I realized the power of what I was able to do in such a short period of time to make this kind of a decision that I knew that I could help so many people. So I ended up quitting my corporate job, filing for divorce and starting my own business within a three month period. And uh, here we are, you know, six years later, thriving six figure business. I've, you know, got a book, I have programs, I, you know, one on one, I lead retreats, I've been featured in the media, I have a podcast, like it has just been the most incredible journey. And ultimately, what my mission is, is really to show other people what's possible and to shift that paradigm to shift the conversation around divorce to show that it really is something that is empowering and really can be a catalyst for just choosing yourself and, and living the life that you want to live instead of, you know, asking permission or, or needing approval. Yeah. And cool. Wendy, I want to interject here just for a moment about our journey and yes. how we met, which is so crazy. Yes. And we've both been on a spiritual journey since then, yes. which is also interesting as we're kind of on this parallel track. But Wendy and I met in California at our Emotional Intelligence Leadership course. And we were there for, it was a three-month course, four-month course, and we would go back to California every month for four times. And the third time that we were there in this course, we were placed with a buddy. Now, we didn't choose that buddy. I think it happened to be the person in a U-shape that was across the room from you. And I was placed with Wendy. And we didn't know each other too well, but we knew a bit about each other because we had been to this course for a while. And lo and behold, I was on the brink of, uh, should I get divorced or should I not? And, and what is my life looking like? And this was prior to Josh passing away. And Wendy and I were placed together as buddies and we instantly fell in love as friends. And then we had an exercise where we crossed the line when we're ready to step into a new life, to get rid of something and to commit to ourselves. And Wendy happened to be standing on the other side of this line. 
And I stood there because I knew that I there was more for me in my life. I knew that uh, what I knew was I knew God had a really big vision for me, but I didn't know that was what it was. And I knew that in the situation I was in, I was never going to be reaching it because you can only get as far as your your crap on top, right? So I stood on the other side of the line with Wendy on the one side, never, ever expecting to get divorced in my life, stamping my feet and saying, I know what this one thing is and I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Don't make me do it. I remember saying, this is not okay. I'm not supposed to get divorced. I can't do this. I made a promise. I'm scared for, I don't know what it was, Wendy, a good half an hour, maybe. Yeah. And Wendy just stood there. Yeah. And Wendy just stood there and we weren't to touch or anything, but Wendy just stood there and said, when you're ready, I'm here for you. And about a half an hour after extreme emotional grief, because I knew that's what I was supposed to do, but I was scared to freaking death. I fell into Wendy's arms and I remember just collapsing and saying, will you hold me? Can you help me? And um, that is how we started our relationship. And ever since then, we've been really close, amazing friends. And Wendy is so good at what she does. Wow. You know, isn't that incredible that the universe, and I remember you telling me this story, Karen, too, like, isn't it incredible that the universe puts you next to the person (laughs) that is most able to hold the space for you in that moment when you're making that decision because she sees you, she hears you, she knows you. And this is this is her work on on the planet. How incredible that you two were placed with each other. I just love that part. I love what the universe does. But before we go on, Wendy, in just terms of your story, I just want to just get back into your story a little bit in terms of you said that you had decided that you wanted to divorce. Now, you know, for people who are going through that period as we speak, as they're listening to this podcast, how did you know that this was the right decision for you? Did you still love your husband? Like is, it, so, is, is he someone that you still wanted to be with? So it's it's interesting because I, I said it, it was very out of body. Um, I actually, we, we had agreed that we were going to come to a decision in our couple's therapist office. And so I was going to walk in. I mean, I had this whole plan. If I'm a doer, I'm a planner, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a controlling analyzer. That is who I am. And so I walked in and I was so prepared and so in my ego that there was no way this man was going to let me go. Like he has seen how I've changed. I'm the mother of his children. There's no way. So I walked in literally being like, he's totally going to pick me, right? This is my mindset. Okay. He's going to pick me and I pick, it wasn't him. I wanted my family. Mm. And so, and I'll tell you, that's not anything anyone should pick because I Mm -hmm. still have my family. Right. But at the time I was like, he's going to pick me. I like, I want my family back together. I will do anything to save my marriage, like anything. Right. And he's going to see this new me because I'm amazing. And I, I am amazing. The problem was, was we got into the room and he went, I don't know. I still don't know what I want. Mind you, it had been a year, one year that we were separated, nine months not living together. And I literally in that moment looked at him and I kid you not, it was like a spirit flew into my body and spoke for me. And literally I looked at him and I said, I am so tired of waiting for you to see me. I'm done. I want a divorce. I pick me. I looked at my couple's therapist and I said, can I please leave the room? And she said, sure. And I walked out in total, like I, it was out of, I can't even tell you, like I, I walked outside, I called my best friend and I was like, I don't know what just happened. And I don't know what I just did. And I remember looking at my reflection in my car mirror, right? The, you know, the little thing that comes down and your mirror is there. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I just looked at myself and I'm like, what did you just do? What did you just do? 
and I was bawling, like bawling uncontrollably. And yet I knew in my heart that this was the right choice mm. and that this is what was going to be best for me. Um, and what I came to learn over time is that he's just, you know, do I love you? Ask, do, did I still love him? Yes. Was I in love with him? No. And it took me time to understand the difference. And it took me learning how to love myself to understand that I didn't love him in that way. I, I, I love him to this day. He's the father of my children. Mm -hmm. I, I will love him forever. And ironically, we are super close friends and really probably better friends now than we were the last couple of years of our marriage. And I love him. I worry. I still worry about him, you know, and I think that that's just a normal thing. We we were together for 23 years. Like we grew up together, you know, from 18 until we were 41. And so, you know, spending that much time together, we really, you know, got to know each other very, very well. And, um, you know, I, I still to this day, you know, I'll, I'll say to him every now and then, like, you know, I know you better than you know yourself. Like, I just, I know him so well. He is, he, he's a good person. He just, you know, he's got a very limited toolkit, I say, and he does his best with what he has. And I can stand here and say that, you know, I know he, I know he knows he messed up and I know that he realizes that he went about this the wrong way. Um, and we've talked about it, but, you know, again, like I just, I think that that's, you bring up a really good point because I think what a lot of people don't know the difference of is are you in love with them or do you just, are you, do you love them? <laughs> you know, and there, there's a very, very big difference. And I didn't understand it until I got out of my marriage. And so how would you, I've got my definition about what the difference is, because that is, you know, for someone who's going through that, you actually get into that space of, do I love him or am I in love with him? How would you define it, Wendy? So... <laughs> Well, this is my experience, right? Um, with him, it, we met when we were so young. And so my love for him was very different. It was much more head-driven than heart-driven. So he fit the mold on paper. Uh, we he was my best friend. I loved hanging out with him. I cared about him deeply. Um, but we were both very broken people. Um, you know, I was a really poor communicator as was he, you know, we both just came to our marriage young and very ill-equipped with communication and really understanding what marriage was about and, and, and really what love meant and what it felt like. Um, I was looking, you know, for a partner to have kids with who was stable, financially stable and successful and had a good family, right? There were all these boxes. Mm -hmm. And what I came to realize, and, you know, and I'm grateful for the man that I'm with now, who I'm deeply and madly in love with, and in, in how I've been able to understand the difference is, you know, loving myself first is about it's coming from my heart. It's coming from the depths within me. It is a feeling of like this warmth inside of my body. Um, it is an expression of, of my truest, highest version of myself. I mean, I used to think that, you know, I used to seek for a lot. I used to seek externally for a lot of things and now I don't. I know what loving myself feels like. I know what it feels like to nourish my heart, to nourish my soul, to nourish my being. And I never got that in my marriage. And and it's okay. Like it's not his fault. It's not my fault. I didn't know. Like it it took me, you know, this is what had to happen in order for me to wake up and for me to really understand it. And I can tell you that the love that I have. And this has nothing to do with my kids. Like that's a whole other, I mean, loving your kids is a whole other conversation, but really loving yourself to be able to love other people. I had to know what it felt like to love all of me, right? The parts of me that were flawed, the parts of me that had to take responsibility for how I showed up in my marriage, for who I was, for how I treated him, um, 
and owning that. And so in owning all of this, right, and taking responsibility, I was able to really acknowledge the good and the bad and love them both equally and to really be open to other people, just they're going to have to be okay with it because I'm not going to change who I am. And I recognize that I'm a flawed person. We all are. We're human, right? Humans are flawed and we're all souls here having human experiences anyway. And I just know that part of what my journey included was really this, this piece of love and really learning what that means and what that ultimately feels like. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it is definitely a process and I've seen you go through this process yes, as I have. went through the process <laughs> at the same time, right? Is what does it mean? And Lenny, like I've seen you move through it also is what does it mean twice. to love <laughs> twice, right? Right. So it is like, what does it mean to love yourself enough to choose you and not in a selfish way. Like, I'm not no, going to no. do anything for you. I choose me. It's, I choose me and, and what's best for me, even, even in the face of fear and scarcity and all of those emotions, right? Is knowing yes. what I get to do for me. Yeah. And that was hard. I mean, I think as moms, you know, I, I never took time out for myself. I waited for my husband to be like, go do something, have a day. And I never was asked to, that I was never told to go have a day. And, you know, and I think that especially when you're going through a divorce, you have so much guilt as it is. And one of the adjustments that I really had to make was to understand that self-care and self-love were things that I had to ask for. And it wasn't until I started embarking on those experiences that I was, a, I mean, I was the best version of myself. Like when I'm able to, to love on myself and to see that as, un, you know, it's, it's selfless. You've got to nourish yourself. You've got to take care of yourself, right? It's that oxygen mask on an airplane analogy. And it's, it's, I use it all the time because it's the God honest truth. Like if you don't put that oxygen mask on first, how are you going to be of any use to your, to your loved ones? And it took me a while to understand that because I was in a place where I, I was running depleted all the time mm. and I was bitter. I was angry. I was resentful. I was short. I was having conversations in my head without speaking out loud. And then I would blow up at like a volcano and, you know, and typically to the people that I love the most. And it really wasn't until I started understanding like, oh, wait, I, I need a break because I need to go oxygenate myself <laughs> so that I can come home and be a better mom, be, you know, a, a strong manager, I, a good daughter, a, a good wife, like all these things. And another part of that that I also want to say is that I had different identities. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this or not, but I had an identity at work. I had an identity in my marriage. I had an identity as a mom. I had my identity as a daughter, a sister, a friend. And so I, it was like, I felt like I was so tired because I'm like putting on all these hats every day, every second, every hour. And what my divorce taught me was it's not about having these different identities. It's just being me and showing up as me no matter where I am. And mm -hmm. so that was a, a huge awakening for me. And a lot of it was because like, okay, who am I expected to be at work? Who am I expected to be in my marriage? Who am I expected? Like, what do I want the world to think I'm like as a mom? What do I want the, my parents to think, you know, I am as a daughter, right? And so I think that that's a big element that a lot of people fall into is really this, you know, and social media does it to us, right? Oh, totally, totally. So, <laughs> you know, it's like everyone's, anytime I see these like perfect pictures of family, I am like, bull, you know what, right? It, it's, mm -hmm. it's it's BS because it's one moment in time. I'll tell you, I bribed my children to smile for pictures on Facebook. My life was crumbling <laughs> and I was still posting yeah. happy family. Look at us. Right. I call it the Facebook facade, but social media puts so much pressure on us because it's like all of our lives now have the opportunity, right. To be broadcast. It's an easier way to communicate with people. Right. But 
ultimately what it's doing is it's falsifying what's really going on behind closed doors. Yeah. And so, and I I think that now we are being asked to more than ever is to appear honestly as to who we really are. This is, this is what we asked to right now in terms of where humanity is on the planet. It's like, stop, stop with the facade. Like you said, the Facebook facade and show up as who you really are. So that's, the question that I want to ask you, Wendy, is you said, oh, I had all these identities and then I had to stop and show up as to who I really was. How did you do that? How did you step into who you really were? Right. Can I speak into that for a moment? That is about, I know, Wendy, you're going to say this because I know you so well, right? We're going to talk about (laughs) authenticity. Yes. And so very interesting because as we were going through our course, I remember one of our main values were being authentic. And to be honest, I was in my 40s and I remember thinking, what does it really mean to be authentic, right? Where the outside of the way of being matches your inside truth. And um, yeah, I'd love for you to speak into it a little bit more. But I was thinking that as you were speaking, like that's about being authentic in any situation, right? Absolutely. And, you know, Karen will know, like we had to come up with a contract in our leadership program. And my contract is that I am a bold, powerful and authentic leader. And so I had to learn, like, what is what does authentically being Wendy mean? What does that look like? And, and it's a, it's really important, not just to me, but in the work that I do with my clients. And so it really is the first step of what I teach. It is the first thing that I did that was this like massive light bulb that went on for me. And it was understanding and learning what my values were. So my values being my like my northern guiding compass right it's the rules the guidelines the you know just what it is that that makes my heart tick and knowing what your values are not what people expect them to be or caving and just agreeing with other people's but really ultimately knowing what is important to you and, it, and, and I do a very long, deep process of digging for my clients' values because a lot of times, you know, we think it's this, but it's actually like 10 layers underneath that. And so, you know, it, it's a process that I go through with my clients on our first call, actually. And it's, it's about really understanding what it is that is going to guide you in not just your being, but also your doing in your life, right? So when I first did this exercise, you know, what I used to call my value of honesty is now what I call actually integrity. So, you know, honesty, respect, and connection were my top three values. And so what I learned to do and what I teach is how is it that you get to honor your values every minute of every day of your life? Because anytime you feel dissonance within yourself, it's typically because you're not in alignment with one of your values. And so when you learn what your values are, you then, and and again, this is part of what I had to do and what you know, I attract clients like me, right? So once you know what your values are, then you have to learn, okay, so how do I communicate with other people when I am out of alignment with my values, but communicate in a way that I'm being heard instead of Mm -hmm. feeling ignored? And I never knew how to do that. Like I would feel dissonance. I would feel that like, oh, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. And I would keep it in me because I didn't have the language. And then I would like it would just be like anger spewing like a dragon. Right. <laughs> and so it really was it, like it was not I'm not proud of it. I've apologized to my ex-husband. And I'm very honest about it. Like I was like this version of me. I tell I tell my partner, Jeff, all the time. I'm just like, thank God you didn't know me back then. because It's like a very different version of Wendy. Now, granted, she's still there. She comes out every now and then, but I know how to rein her back in. But really being authentic is really just it's it's about owning and having the courage, right? Having the courage to speak up for yourself when something is out of alignment for you. 
And I never had the courage to be able to do that until I went through this whole process. And so it's, it is, it is, I have a whole five-step process on, you know, it's my rehab program and it, and it starts with your values and it ends with learning the art of forgiveness because between that, you know, start and the finish, it's, you know, learning about your boundaries and those inner critics and fear and self-love and self-care, self-esteem and, you know, confidence and self-compassion and grace and gratitude and mindfulness. And, you know, there's all these things. I, I didn't, I didn't have any of this in my toolkit. And what I love is that it's actually not as hard as we think it is once you know how to take the right steps in the right order to, to live yeah. your most authentic life. And it's possible for any, like, if I can do this, anybody can do this. I mean, it really is I, the truth. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just have a story to tell because I think it's so funny. I, one of the first uh, sessions that we had when we were in our transformational course, oh. <laughs> I remember because as you yes. were speaking, you were saying things like, you know, I didn't <laughs> stand up for myself and being authentic and, you know, just being conforming, conforming, right? And we had an exercise where we got to say each other's names and most people did not know Wendy's name. And I remember saying, Wendy's standing up and 75 of us. And she said, by the way, I am bold effing Wendy. And that was the day you stepped into, mm -hmm. I'm tired of not being seen. Yes. Yeah. That is everyone's favorite story. <laughs> <laughs> and one so that funny. will follow me forever. And, you know, and it's true. I mean, in this program that Karen and I did, I mean, God, talk about eye opening. I was, someone called me a wallflower. And I mean, I still to this day feel what that felt like. Not because I still feel that I'm that way, but it was so, it was so impactful because we don't realize other people's experiences of us. And mm -hmm. I thought I was showing up one way mm -hmm. and it was being perceived totally different. Mm -hmm. And it is so eye-opening when a mirror is being held up for you, right? This is why it's so important to have somebody helping you to do this work because mm -hmm we are not good accountability partners for ourselves, right? I've never been called a wallflower in my life. And I have to tell you, I am so glad that I was called out because my life has forever been changed since that day. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And, wow. you know, it's part of why I show up boldly. It's part of why I am, I call myself a tough loving mentor because I'm going to say what it is that everyone else is terrified to vocalize, because if you don't know what people are experiencing of you, you're going to keep attracting or detracting the same people in your life. And that doesn't right. help anybody. Right. Yeah. So, so if we go back, Wendy, to people who are actually going through divorce mm -hmm. and um, at this moment, they're in that state of, should I, shouldn't I, I don't know, I'm confused, fear, I'm not going to see the kids and what will happen to them and how will they survive this and I'm going to put them through trauma if we divorce. What are your words of guidance for them? So a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, and I actually was having a conversation about this um, even just a couple of days ago, um, Kids thrive in homes that are full of love and peace and joy and happiness and security and safety. Kids do not thrive in homes where there is fighting, where there is tension, where there is um, dissonance. You may think that you are hiding it, and I will tell you, you are not. Our children are very very smart creatures. They are smarter than we are. And your kids are feeling whatever it is that is happening. So the first thing that I always say is that your kids are going to be fine. Okay. Sure. They may need some therapy. They may need support. 
who doesn't in this world? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a good thing, right? Having extra support is never a bad thing, right? And so what the, the perspective that I come from is it's not about deciding whether you want the marriage or to be single. What I care about is based on everything that you have been through in your life, Okay, you're where you are today. Great. Don't care about your past. I care about who you are right now in this moment and what it is that you want to create for yourself. What does that life look like and feel like? Not who's with you. What do you want your life to look like? Right? And I do it across all these about eight to 10 different areas of your life. What do you want it to look like? What do you want it to feel like? And then what are the steps that we get to take for you to live the vision, have that future be the vision, right? If you don't know what your future vision looks like, then how is it that you're showing up today? Because when you show up knowing that that's where you are going to wind up anyway, you, you're making better choices for yourself. And that's when I say you choose you, it's that you then create the vision you become that version of yourself. You make decisions and choices based on that. And then mm -hmm. let's see where your spouse is at the time, right? And let's see, do they fit into this vision? Do they fit into the life that you want, that you are creating? I have, I have clients that have gone back to their marriages too, in fact, at the exact, like right parallel with each other. And then I have a handful that are like, see you later, I'm out. Like, don't want to be with this person anymore. Kids are involved in both cases. Yeah. And it's not about your kids. This is about you because your kids play off of you. If you're not happy, your kids are not going to be happy. Mm. And I will tell you, like my ex-husband, I mean, Karen knows my lovely you know, separation, the divorce. My ex-husband is remarried and has a three and a half year old daughter with his new wife. My kids have watched me. They've, you know, watched me through. I'm now in my second most serious relationship, but I found my man and I'm done. <laughs> like, this is it for me. And my kids will tell you every day that they see how much happier their dad and I are not being together. And they're, they find the coolness of having two homes. Like they think it's cool that they've got a room, you know, they've got stuff here and they've got stuff at their dad's. Oh yeah. Mine had double birthday parties as well. <laughs> they have the double presents. They have, you know, cause it's like, well, they've got their dad and his wife and all of her family giving them gifts. Right. And then they've got me and my boy, you know, my partner, Jeff and his family. Right. So like. Well, there's a higher perspective to this, Wendy, which I now look at, which I never used to. So when I went through my first uh, breakup, my little boy, I was like devastated that I did this to him, that even though he had two homes and two parties, he was, it was hard for him. Like he was four years old and he was devastated, um, you know, and it was really hard being in a step family. And sure. but the way that I see it now, because I don't think it was ideal. The way that I see it now is that from a higher perspective, from a spiritual perspective, his soul chose that path. Yes. So his soul chose me as his mother, his dad as his father. His soul knew that at some point he was going to be the only child in the whole school whose parents had separated. He was going to be the only one in the family where his parents had separated, it was part of this journey, like the challenges that his soul chose to experience. So I never saw it like that before, but now I do. I now see it as this is his choosing. Yes, you know, when you look at things you. from a higher perspective as opposed yes. to we're in the game, we're in the movie, and, you know, what we see is the way it is. It's actually not the way it is. Our souls chose all of this. Absolutely. I mean, our, our kids chose us. They chose yeah. us and they chose this experience. And yeah. I will tell you, you know, just to kind of add one other or two more points on to what you just said too, is that so many people will say like, and I've, and I, and I know people that have done this who think that, you know, oh, I'll just stay until the kids are out of the house and then I'll leave. 
And that is the worst decision that you can make, not because of what you think. The older your kids are, the harder it will be for them to get acclimated to this new way of being, especially if they are on that like 16 to 18, 16 to 20 year old block, because they're coming into their own of like, who am I? I'm now leaving the house. I'm going out on my own. I'm becoming an adult. I'm learning who I am. I'm learning who I am in relation to what my family, you know, dynamic was. And I mean, I have witnessed both ends of the age spectrum and every client, every person that I know whose kids were older, it has been an absolute nightmare of an experience for their children and their relationship with their children versus those of us whose kids were a lot younger. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case. However, when your kids are younger, it's a lot easier to help them see that, you know, because they're still trying to figure out who they are, right? So it's a lot easier to support them emotionally versus when your kids are older, they tend to pull away. They can handle things themselves. I've got this, you know, and I'm not saying that it's not that you're not close to your kids, but they are already more of a formed adult. And so staying or thinking that it's better to just hang on, you know, five more years, like, it's not, it is, it is not what I would recommend, especially if you are unhappy. And to the spiritual point as well, I mean, I will tell you guys that I wasn't just married, you know, on this human planet to my ex-husband. I mean, he and I had been in multiple past lives together and I knew that because I felt it, I couldn't get him. Like our souls were still together even two years, three years after we were, uh, you know, separated and then ultimately divorced. And another piece that I think a lot of people don't realize is that, first of all, your kids are not divorcing their other parent, but you are. And so it's important to also cut the spiritual cords that you've created with your partner, because, you know, I, I believe that you know, when you're in an, a long-term relationship with somebody that you are exchanged, there's so much energy exchanged yeah. and your souls chose each other for a reason in this lifetime, right? And so part of what my journey that I didn't say that was also really valuable and important was also figuring out a method, a spiritual methodology that would cut my final cord to this man because I could physically feel him on me. I could feel when he was lying to me. I could feel when he was doing something like I just, I could feel it. And it really wasn't until I learned about what's called theta healing that I was finally able to not just energetically divorce this man, but to also cut every past life cord that had been connecting us because he broke my heart multiple times in multiple past lives. And this was the lifetime where I got to teach him the lesson, but I was the one still hanging on to the cord because I was afraid of what letting him go would really mean, right? Like our soul's so how journey do you cut the, done. How do you cut the spiritual <laughs> cord, Wendy? How do you do that? Well, so I have a, a process that I do. I mean, I, I am a Theta healer. So what Theta healing is, is it's a, it's an energy healing methodology where I essentially go into what's called a Theta brainwave meditation state. Um, I'm sure it's similar to what Karin does with hypnosis, right? And it's just my own version of it and, and how I was trained. But essentially, I, I've always been intuitive. I have been intuitive since I was a little girl. I, my mom told me I had imaginary friends. They were my angels, <laughs> to be honest, and came to realize that later in life. But nonetheless, my intuition, along with my ability to get myself up and into this theta state, enabled me to communicate with who we call creator and to command that creator either, you know, cut cords, um, you know, return energy, return fragments to one another, download beliefs, download feelings. I witness, I command and I witness and I communicate what it is that I am experiencing, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling. And at 
and, and the way that I know that the shifts happen is I energy test my clients before and after, and they, they're the ones who do the energy testing because I teach them how to do it so that they know that the shift has happened. And so my own personal experience of my cord cutting to him happened with my, one of my Theta Healing mentors. And it was such a powerful experience because she actually brought in the use of a crystal because the cord was so, it was knotted real tight. And I remember she had to, it was an in-person session. Like it was that, it was that quote unquote bad. Like I was like, the, the virtual's not working. Like we need, like I need you physically to get this man off of me. And I will never forget, she brought out one of her crystals that, you know, she got in Europe somewhere, like very special crystal. And she and I both felt at the exact same time when she was doing the Theta healing, she had the crystal over my heart. And I literally felt a spark, like someone shocked my heart and restarted it. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, from the moment before that happened to the moment afterwards, when I thought about him, what he did, I went from hating him and being like, screw him. Like, I don't want to feel this anymore to literally feeling nothing being like, yeah, I, what, what happened? Like, don't care. Like didn't feel him anymore. Mm. And literally since that moment and since that day, I, I have felt nothing from him. Like I, he does things still, he pisses my kids off every now and then. And I'm just like, well, that's, that's who he is. Like, Me I too. just, I, yeah, totally neutral. Love it. Yeah. Great word. Thank you. Yes, totally neutral about it. Whereas there was so much charge before. And so mm. with that's what I needed. So with every single one of my clients, it's a different process. With some of them, yes, I have like a whole bowl of crystals. Like sometimes I will use crystals. Sometimes we will do a session in person. It just depends on what it is that I'm hearing my clients need in that moment to be able to energetically cut. And sometimes it takes more than one session because there's so many layers there, but the client has to be willing to let go too. So yeah, it's a two-way say, street. The intention. So yes. for people who may not have access to you, I think the first thing to tell you guys who are, who are listening, and we, we are going to put the, the links to all of, um, you know, how you can connect with Wendy in the show notes, but is to have the intention to have that um, connection cut because although yes. you care for them and love them, you don't need that cord connecting you anymore. <laughs> no. And I oh. mean, it doesn't mean that I don't still care about him. It doesn't mean that I don't still worry about him. I mean, of course I do. Like, I, you know, again, like we're, something would be wrong if you didn't still care about the, you know, the, the parent of your children. I mean, to yeah. me, that is, that's a red flag, to be honest with you. Um, you know, but there's what I don't think a lot of people talk about, especially when it comes to divorce and why I'm so passionate about it is that it's not just about changing your mindset. It is about, there is an, there's so much inner soul spiritual work mm -hmm. that also has to be done that a lot of people don't do. And it's why so many people will say, why am I still in this place? Like, why do I still feel this? Like, what is wrong with me? I have this and I have that and da, da, da. And it's like, but I can't, like, why can't I move on? And I'm always like, well, it's probably because spiritually you haven't let go. And there's healing that gets to be done on a spiritual level that until you work with somebody who's able to clear all of those layers for you, you're going to stay where you are. And and part of that is, is like, it's almost like the spiritual work has to be done in order for the mindset work to take effect. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people do one or the other and they don't do both. And that's why I love what I get to do. And I love my clients because they move that much faster. The acceleration happens because they learn how to shift their vibration and how to shift their frequency to be able to be open to the mindset shifts that much more quickly. Yes. And back to what we were, uh, what this episode is about is divorce sucks. <laughs> now what? Now yes. we know. And uh, if you could show us your book, you wrote the book. I did. Divorce did. sucks. Now what? Um, and so, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that with us, Wendy. 
You're yeah. So Thank we've you. got one final question, Wendy, that we ask yes. all our guests. So this podcast is called Soul Sisters Get Real. What does it mean to you to get real? Oh, I just got goosebumps. This is such a good mm-hmm. question. Oh, what does it mean to get real? I mean, honestly, what getting real mean, what getting real means to me is allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Um, you know, I have allowed myself to to feel trust in being vulnerable and learning how to use that as a way to connect with a lot of the people in my life. And to me, those are the type of people that I like to be around. I like to be around real people who are not afraid to show up and to be themselves no matter what. Um, so that's that would yeah. be what I would say. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with us, Wendy. It's so good to see your face. And for all of you listening, I wanted to clear something up. I have been traditionally known for most of my life as Karen. Wendy knows me as Karen because we met as Karen. And I had a message from Josh when I started writing the book that he uh, would prefer that when we wrote the book together, which Wendy actually was one of the, it was last summer, I think, that we were taking a walk and you said, I have this download two summers ago, right? Because I've been writing it for a while. You had this download and said, this book gets to be written by both of you and the forward by Josh. And that just stuck with me. And one day I sat down and I wrote an entire forward from Josh. I just channeled it. And now my book coach is like, oh my gosh, this forward is amazing. Where did you get it? And I said, you know, I just sat down and like Josh gave it to me. And uh, back to my story about Karen and Karen, Josh gave me a message that he wanted me to be my author named Karen. And so I have been uh, intentionally moving my name to Karen, but Wendy knows me as Karen. So <laughs> there's a few Karens in here and I am moving into Karen and I did see that you called me Karen. You know, it's just a, a process in learning. So yes, thank you. Yeah, well, thank awesome. you for letting me give you my wisdom that I got those downloads for you because, you know, everybody really, it's important that you get your message out there and that everybody gets to hear what he has to say and, and you get to be, you get to be his writing partner in that. So I can't wait to read your book, my dear. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Wendy, for coming in today. And for those who want to purchase Wendy's book, just have a look at the show notes where you can purchase the book called Divorce, Now What? So thank you so much, Wendy. There was so much in this episode. There was heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps, and we are so very grateful. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. And remember, always connect to your truest essence. And choose love. We'll see you next time.